Lovewell Creative, in partnership with Crosswalk Church, presents the Sacred Echo Podcast. In this podcast, we'll hear from the teaching team from Crosswalk Church about the upcoming sermon series, sermons, how they process, about faith, life, love, and friendship as well. For more information on Crosswalk Church, go to www.crosswalkvillage.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sacred Echo podcast. I'm here with uh, Pastor Patty McCoy from our Crosswalk Portland campus, and I'm here with David Ferguson from our Chattanooga campus. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing great. I, I sort of, that's not really fair. I sort of set you up to have to talk on top of each other. I really, but, I really shouldn't do that. So yeah, let me do it this just way. just keep doing that that way. That's what's <laughs> going to happen, I think. But let me do it this way. Dave, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing fantastically well. It is starting to cool down in Chattanooga, or or maybe I'm just imagining it. <laughs> could mm. be, could be. Patty, how about you? How are you doing? I uh, I'm good. I'm good. Can I, if I'm honest, can I tell you that uh, you know pumpkin spice lattes and and fall drinks have been <laughs> out for like three weeks now, mm-hmm. and it's still like 80 degrees. I'm not I'm not okay with that. That that's probably what I'm not okay with this morning. Are you just not okay with pumpkin spice because it's kind of gross? I I don't love it personally, but my family loves it very much. Yeah. So, but it's it's like you know the, how we decorate for holidays way too early. But it's like in August we came out with fall drinks. Seriously, <laughs> so that that just mm. you you sparked it, Dave, because you talked about the weather cooling and and I'm just I'm not feeling it. Well, and as a cousin to that. There is a very narrow band of time in which I actually really, really love pumpkin pie. And it's from Thanksgiving Day through probably about three days after Christmas. And that's the that's the frame. Oh, I thought you were going to say three days after Thanksgiving, because that's my Mm -hmm. frame (laughs) right there. I'm a Tim. Yeah, I remember I had a buddy who was here from England over close to Thanksgiving in the fall one time. And uh, he had it was the first time he had had pumpkin pie and he was just like so confused about why we would eat this (laughs) (laughs) it's just like there's nothing there's nothing good about this um it can be good it can be good listen i i like me a slice of pumpkin pie but that's about it and i don't like pumpkin flavor but i don't like watermelon flavor either i like me some watermelon i don't like watermelon flavor Mm. weirdly isn't that just water yeah mostly (laughs) but but weirdly i like coffee but i don't like coffee flavor very much oh yeah so i don't know none of it makes sense to me i've got some issues i suppose which brings us to what we're talking about yes (laughs) right perfect (laughs) great segue (laughs) well um so so on this podcast, one of the things we do is we talk about the upcoming sermon that has to do with the sermon series. And as um, hopefully you know by now when you're listening to this, we are in our Unbroken series, which really has to do with us kind of leaning into the mental health conversation. And Patty really kind of took the lead when it came to writing this particular series guide. We've got some other mental health professionals that were um, that have written. And so that tone may sound a little different on those particular weeks, because um, Patty, I thought you, you did a really good job of um being authentic and really open with us um so so maybe maybe we start there maybe we start with kind of where we all are on i don't know if it's our mental health journey or philosophy i mean just kind of 
Patty, I'll let you start yeah. start that conversation, yeah. maybe shade it in the direction you want it to go. Yeah. Well, look, I, I often tell people when I when when they've got some struggles that they're coming in to talk with me about as a as a pastor or a friend, either way. Um, but I, I remind them that I'm a pastor that married a social worker. So I'm a firm believer in uh good mental health care. So um but you know my my own personal journey is is that and and I tell this in the series guide you know 17 17 years ago that I was diagnosed with a general anxiety disorder um and the the journey through that which was really tough for about two and a half years I mean it was you know kind of am I going to make it through another day kind of feeling very overwhelming um but man I learned so much through that journey I learned so much about God I learned so much about mental health um you know I learned uh so much about really especially from the faith perspective there's so many stigmas um you know that that attack the the mental the the faith person when it comes to mental health you know thing and we write about this in this first week in this you know, opening about, you know, well, man, if I just prayed more, if I just had more faith, I wouldn't feel this way. Um, you know, or if, if there was one, one pill, one, uh, one prayer, one thing that would fix everything, uh, you know, there's all sorts of stuff, but I'm a firm believer in good mental health care, which includes attacking it from all fronts, um, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, um, you know, those are all things that, you know, need to be addressed when you're talking about mental health. Um, it's all part of the package. Hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I, when I was younger, I kind of had from the, the mental health perspective, I kind of had this sense that we all experience the world the same. <laughs> I'm a glass half full positive, always love thinking about the ideas of how the day is going to get better. Yeah, I grew up. You could ask me what's something you're looking forward to today, Dave, and I could tell you something every day of my life. I know something I'm looking forward to at all times. I just have that positivity and kind of way that irritates some people, probably. <laughs> some people, uh, yeah. Some people. Uh, <laughs> and in the in the ensuing years, of course, getting married is a great educator for a lot of things. <laughs> um, and my wife um, is comfortable with me sharing that she has struggled with depression through portions of her life and of course you know she's had children we have had children and so there are all the hormonal changes that take place and all that stuff i would not have believed for instance in seasonal affect disorder except for i live with somebody who experiences it and there's probably a portion of my life that i would feel like you know what why can't you just fill in the blank right mm -hmm. and man you're just letting yourself off the hook you're it's a you know and I started to realize, though, I had some pretty severe um, ankle sprains yeah, athletically. And I started to realize, you know, it didn't break anything, right? But if somebody were to just say to me, why can't you just suck it up? I mean, I can barely stand on that. How, how can you not mm. understand this, right? Mm. And maybe that's some of what, I mean, I, mean, I have to actually figure out how to accommodate that there are experiences that aren't exactly like mine. Right. Um, and since that time, having children that um, have had, you know, different ones of them have had anxiety disorder or some, or social anxiety, these sorts of things. Of course, for me to get a room of strangers, man, that's awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've really, I probably, in this, in this circle of three right here, I know I can, 
um, I can uh, uh, illuminate what it's like to not have experienced this stuff and try to understand and start to realize hmm. there's more going on here than just what happens in my head um, hmm. and to attempt empathy and, and understanding um, from that perspective. That's kind of where, where I come to this conversation. I know hmm. this is real, but because of, being around people that I love that I, I know they're not just trying to cop out or wimp out or they've got it. It's, it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and Tim, we, we need to hear from you and your perspective, but I was just going to add with something Dave said that I used to think about, like when I first started really into, you know, my anxiety, um, you know, and struggling through that, I, I remember relating it to what it was like when I first got glasses Um, you know, because I used to have really good vision for a long time up through college. Uh, and of course I'm talking to, you know, two other people also wearing glasses as I am, but I mean, I can remember thinking like, I don't understand how you have blurred vision, you know, like people that had to wear glasses, like that didn't make sense to me, you know? And then when I first put on, you know, glasses, I thought, oh, maybe I need a little, like, like something's a little off. And then everything came clear again when I, when I got the right prescription, and then I was like, oh, this this maybe is how this feels. And I remember thinking anxiety, you know, depression, these different things. It's a little bit that way until you really kind of have to go through a bout of it. It's it's hard to fully understand. We can read about it. Um, you know, we can listen to somebody. Uh, but even for me, my listening changed so much when I went through it, um, you know, and and knew what that was like. So so anyway, just just one analogy um, in that sense. But, but Tim, how about you? No, that's really, that's really good. That's really helpful actually. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up in a home where, um, there's, there was some stuff as far as, um, mental health, my sister, and I, she has shared this many times, um, went through a, a pretty significant eating disorder. Um, you know, throwing up a hundred times a day, like that kind of thing. I didn't really, didn't really even understand what was going on at the time. Um, and so at about 15, I think I just sort of checked out, um, cause I didn't really understand what was, what was happening with her and, um, and, you know, other members of my family that were, were on, you know, different medications for different things that they were dealing with. Um, I kind of shut all that part down. I don't think I thought about it too terribly much. And, um, I'm not, I'm not quite the annoying, happy that Dave seems to be. Um, but he said, it's his words, not mine. Just to be clear. No, I'm I'm partly, Um, I try to act less happy with some regularity, just not to be, you know, annoying. I'm partly laughing Tim too, because I know that's very not true or I'm sorry. That's very true that you're not that person. Yeah. (laughs) No, I have a tendency to go the opposite direction and be like, oh, this is all going to suck all the time. So I'm often pleasantly surprised, but, um, but no, there's a, I I think for me, um, I haven't dealt, I haven't had to deal with a lot of, um, particularly mental health struggles. I don't think I, there was a time when I was on Accutane, interestingly, in my twenties, where I think I went through a pretty significant bout of depression, which is a side effect of that particular pill, that particular medication. And I remember thinking, wow, this doesn't feel like, like it, it feels like the weight on your chest is never going to go away, but I just stopped taking those pills and it kind of went away. Um, a little bit more, I think in my adult life, I've a tried to be more sensitive to it. Also tried to be more 
I don't know if this is going to make sense if I say this correctly, empathetic to the idea that I don't know Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, when I'm doing some pastoral counseling, when someone's sharing with me, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I don't, I don't know that I understand feeling that way, but that's got to be real or else this person wouldn't be reaching out. And if it is real, wow, that's really difficult. And we want to make sure we connect people with the kind of help kind of help that they need. Um, I want to be very clear on something. That doesn't mean that I'm necessarily very mentally healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I deal with anything that I'm dealing with is, well, I just go work more. I can go Mm -hmm. get, get through Mm -hmm. that by just being, you know, working harder, being more successful. And then there you go. I'm, then I'm fine. And I think that takes a toll on people around me. Also having a daughter who's neuro neurodivergent, um, mm-hmm. when it comes to her dyslexia and having to see the way she's having to work around the way the world sets everything up for her has been really, um, kind of awe-inspiring to me, if you want to know the mm-hmm. truth, cause she's incredible mm-hmm. at that, but also been really helpful. I think to recognize that we don't all, we don't all think the same, like you were saying, Dave, we don't all approach <clears throat> life the same way and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think, I think I'm at a place where I'd really like to learn more and um, understand more. And so stepping into this, quite honestly, stepping into this series, I have a little bit of trepidation because I don't want to come across as uh, I don't want to speak for people that that it's their voice. Right. I don't Mm want to do that. I want to be careful. I also want to make sure that I'm bringing something that's helpful to the table. So chances are the way I'm going to approach this is a little more philosophically, um, perhaps than personal personal testimony. Yeah. And that's why I so appreciate Patty, what you've done in the series guide by opening that up and being willing to have those conversations. Um, you know, but I think it's, I, I was reading some t- statistics this morning, which will mm-hmm. actually probably show up in my, um, in my sermon this week. Um, but they were pretty fascinating statistics. Um, 23% of pastors acknowledging that they have personally struggled with mental illness. 49% of pastors say they never, they rarely or never speak to their congregations about mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, only 27% of churches plan to assist families affected by mental illness. 65% mm-hmm. of church going family members of those with mental illness want their, want their church to talk about it openly. Um, 59% of those actually suffering from mental illness say the same. Um mm-hmm. 53% of churchgoers with mental illness say the church has been supportive. That's pretty good. Mm. Um, and 76% of churchgoers say suicide is a problem that needs to be addressed in their community. Um, so there's a recognition that a churches have a role to play in a piece of this, but we haven't always done a great job of it. Yeah. I, I, I was just listening to, well, and first of all, we, we know that almost all mental health statistics are underreported. Right. So, so you read 27% or something and, and you know, that's lower than what is actually happening. Um, you know, and, and in, in that I was listening yesterday to a um, professor at Fuller Seminary who works with young adults and also has done, I think his doctoral um, uh, work was in mental health with young adults. And he had said um, since the pandemic, 75% of young adults or emerging adults, 18 to 30, have uh, reported or have you know talked about some sense of anxiety, depression that that has increased since the pandemic, um, and and yet they have, and this speaks to what you just shared, Tim. They have said that when the church is aware 
of it, when they acknowledge it, they are often, it's often helpful. But that's part of the problem though, right? With, especially with church is like, I mean, we're always trying to keep appearances as if we're doing well, you know, as if we're paying the bills and we're not in debt and we're, we're healthy mentally, physically, and all this kind of stuff. It's the keeping up with the Joneses type of thing. So, you know, typically I, I would say, you know, about church, especially at churches that dress up, which, you know, I am thankful to now be at a church where we don't necessarily put on suits and ties. Although if you do, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but, you know, where even the best dressed people still have holes in their socks. I think I I said that last week. It's like we we cover up things because we're just like, man, what do people what are they going to think of me if they know that I'm really falling apart? And And that was honestly part of my my struggle was like, man, if I, how can I help other people spiritually if I can't hold it together myself? Um, you know, and so coming out to people was frightening because I thought I'd lose my job. I thought, you know, people would think less of me. I was really scared about that. But when I, I sat in front of a group of peers, colleagues after three or four months of intense battle, and I finally told them, look, like I'm barely holding it together. Trisha was sitting next to me. I was holding her hand. Um, and, uh, and I just, I had, I read a statement cause I didn't think I could, you know, just say it. Um, and they looked scared before I started reading it. They didn't know what I was going to say, or was I leaving? <laughs> was there an affair where Trisha and I get no divorce? Um, you know, what was it? And then after I read my statement that I'm, I'm dealing with anxiety, I'm having all these struggles and thoughts and I'm, you know, I looked up after I read the statement and their faces were almost relieved, which, yeah. which I thought was a weird, you know, <laughs> response. Like, why are you relieved? But honestly, um, one person around that table, and I can't remember if I shared this in the series guide or not said, well, Patty, so what you're telling me is that you're, you're messed up. And I was like, yeah. I'm... <laughs> and she said, oh, okay. Cause I am too. And then she started to share and then the next person started to share and the next person. And honestly, it was the first time I felt like I had really experienced what church was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they loved me. They they shared their struggles, which is also what almost always happens when you share something personal. Somebody else finds the courage to do that, too. Um, and this is I am so convinced we need to be having these conversations in our churches and making sure people know it's OK. Like, we're going to love you and we're going to come alongside of you. We're going to support you. We're going to cheerlead for you. Um, and uh, and it's okay. Hmm. Yeah, something you said, Tim, earlier made me kind of calibrated in my mind a thought that I think is important to me because I don't experience some of these things. I think early on in my life, I struggled to actually believe mm-hmm. um, that what you say is going on is going on and you're not just copping out. You're not just weak minded Mm. or, you know, this kind of thing. Right. And too much has been become obvious to me that I think you use the word blind spot, maybe um, that, that I'm blind, I'm blinded by my own experience. Right. And I normalize my own experience and Man, my my world has changed a ton on this subject when I started, and I just made a decision to believe that what you you wouldn't be just embracing that kind of pain or challenge just for sport. Um, that I am a different person when I believe you, um, and I love your description, Patty, of um, how vulnerable vulnerability is met 
um, there's it, it tends to so often be honored, right? Um, in, in our communities when we're at our best. And that is kind of the best of church, isn't it? Um, you know, I was going to ask you guys this. Do you feel any generational shift in the secretive nature of this stuff? I do. I have noticed yeah. that younger people, it's so common maybe, but they're also so commonly being straightforward about it um, mm-hmm. that I've got I've got anxiety disorder, or I've got this level of stress that's going on, or I've struggled with depression, or even I've I've been experiencing some suicidal ideation. I find that to to that like they're almost rejecting the stigmatization of it somehow mm-hmm. in a way that <laughs> while while they're experiencing more of it generationally um, by data, and that's a sad thing. I think the, the a positive is that there is less hiding. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I think that's very true. I think that's true. In fact, I think, um, you know, when serving as a chaplain for so long, that was the for for the longest time, um, journals were saying, man, if you know where you need to invest as a college, you need to invest in your counseling department. You know, you need to beef that up because that is is going to be the issue and what what they need. And I I think that's very true. I think access to um, mental health professionals, um, you know, so important. Uh, to help, but it's not just in college, man. Yeah. It's younger and younger. And I, I agree yep. with you. I think they're more and more okay with it. Although there is a, there, there is a side to suicide, which I know we're going to spend a week talking about that, addressing that as well, um, where it's, it's becoming more, I don't know if common is, is the right word. I don't know what the percentage is, but for people to actually not talk about it before they, they commit, um, you know, and, hmm. I, and I had that, I had that happen, you know, when I was a chaplain, I had a couple of situations where no one, no teachers, no friends, no one close to them had any, it wasn't just that they weren't aware, right. or they weren't listening, there were no signs. Um, and, and so that's an interesting thing as yep. well. But I, but I wonder maybe if they're, if they're communicating on social media, maybe, but not to anybody in person. Well, and we're, know. we're, we're kind of commenting on generalities, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Each yeah. person can just really experience it differently and in, in how yeah. they even process. Yeah. Yeah. Um it, it, interesting Patty you um you kind of mused on if suicide was on the rise it says that it has been on the rise from 2010 to 2022 a lot of that having to do well the correlation is social media right? Um yeah. what's interesting is as I was as I was actually working on the sermon this morning one of the things I thought of was you know, thinking, man, I can't imagine growing up in the age of social media, like mm-hmm. to know what I wasn't a part of would have killed me. Cause if I have anything, yeah. I have FOMO. Right. And to know that there are people doing things outside that are not inviting me to go do those things. I wouldn't have been able to handle very well, but in some ways church always mm-hmm. ha- was that right. Church always was that place. Uh, you know, it was our social media to come and, and present well. Mm-hmm right? Hmm. To curate an understanding of who we were, um, who our family was, how we look, how we act, what's going on in our lives. You mentioned this before. And um, I think perhaps social media has taken some of the onus off that at church, because that's kind of where you do it now. And at church, I'm, you know, I think I I say this a lot. Churches is, is supposed to be the safest place to to take risks, right? Mm-hmm. Church is also yeah. supposed to be the safest place to be honest about what's going yeah. on yeah. as well. Yeah. And yeah. um and the hope is that the hope is that 
um, we can continue that, can continue to make that happen, I think. Well, isn't that the ultimate irony, right? Is that one of the greatest protections against the worst end of what can happen in our in our mental health is is community um and church should be the best of with regard to that but church can actually be the worst of right um and and a toxic community is i mean so it it, this is the 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 amazing issue that we have right and why probably we feel so compelled to do what we do with crosswalk is that it really can be humanity at its best um, Mm. juxtaposed against how church can so often go the opposite direction. Yeah. 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 And, and church, I mean, Tim, it was feeling, feeling left out of something and seeing what people were up to, but it's, it's the comparisons too. Right. Right. And I I think comparisons in mental health is, uh, it's so dangerous because I have I have several quotes and lines that came to me in my journey that I really hold on to. Um, one of them was, you know, we have to stop comparing all the things we know about ourselves to all the things we don't know about someone else. Yeah, that's um, good. You know, and and we do that on social media just by flipping so easily. Like, look at this person and they have it all together and their lives are amazing. You know, when you see when you see that post after post after post, I, I joke with my, you know, people at, at Crosswalk Portland about like, you know, just tell me before you go on a trip so I can unfollow you for that period of time, you know, because I've got I've got a couple right now in Italy. They're posting every day. They're having a great time, you know, but but it's that it's that comparison that kind of gets you into the cellar of your thoughts of thinking like, man, everybody else has it all together. I don't, um, you know, and I'm so embarrassed. I'm so full of shame, which of course, Brene Brown has done great work on, on, you know, defining what shame really is, um, you know, and how to avoid that. But, um, you know, it it makes it tough, those comparisons. And you're right. I think before social media, you would come to church and that was kind of the, oh, look what so-and-so is driving or look what so-and-so is wearing or, oh, look what, you know. And so uh, when you put that online now, it becomes a different struggle, (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's true. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> I think I think what I hope for, you know, as as we go through the series is we create, you know, we help create safe spaces for people to at least admit. And and we say this, you know, as a part of our identity, right? We're we're broken people that are journeying together towards an understanding of who Christ is and what he's called us to. Um, and, uh, and, and so I think it's, you know, again, when we share our thoughts and struggles, we give other people permission to do the same. And we create these kind of environments where it's, it's okay to talk about it. And it's okay to say like your mental health struggle does not mean you do not have faith. It does not mean your faith is bad. Um, you know, and, and look, I've got, you know, family that would say to me, you know, Patty, why don't you just let it go? you know, your worry, your stress, when she'll let it go. I was like, well, I, I can no more easily do that than I could grow a new limb. You know, like I could not do, I had, I did not have the tools. And then the other piece of it that I think is important too, is just recognizing as well. I mean, I, I think healing can come with mental health. And I think some people certainly get to a place where maybe they go through a bout and then, and then it no longer bothers them. That's not my story. My story is it's something I live with. It is, it is my limp or my thorn in my flesh or whatever you want to call it. 
um, that uh, most days I do really well. Some days I have a bad, I have a bad spell, but I know more than I ever did before that that's going to pass. Um, you know, because in the mental health journey, when you're, man, when you're struggling, it feels like it's going to be your forever. And it, and it feels like it's not going to go away. Um, you know, and then the, the things you need to do to help are exactly the opposite of what you want to do, which is just like, just like working out, you know, like, you know, you need to go to the gym, you know, you need to, you know, lift weights, you need to do cardio, you need to do these things, but man, you wake up in the morning and, uh, it's the last thing you want to do, unless you're one of those exercise nuts that, you know, like dream of running a, a marathon, which I know, Tim, you're surrounded by a lot of those kind of people. Um, they're, know, wonderful. Staff. they're wonderful. They're so, wonderful. Uh, <laughs> you know, but Patty's I never so dreamed great. of that. <laughs> I, I love your metaphor of sight and glasses. There are a bunch of ways that I've been kind of filtering as, or thinking about interpreting some of the things that you're sharing as, as we're, we're considering this, that, you know, uh, that idea, why don't, why don't get over it, man. So you can't see. Right. <laughs> wait, 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 exactly. wait. <laughs> Wait, but there are some solutions that I could get involved, which, by the way, uh, I understand quite clearly that if you needed a ride to the optometrist, I could step up for that. Yeah. If you needed somebody to fundraise for glasses, I could step up to that. But I'm also super clear that I have no clue what's going on as they're clicking those different, you know, those little pieces as you're kind of like, are they <laughs> popping my eyeball with some puff of air to see what's going to die that that needs to be that's the worst that That shouldn't be some dude who came in from the street who just cares and loves about loves you right it should be somebody who knows what they're doing and we we would never argue about that for your eyes yeah 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 uh and why would we argue about that for your mind i mean Um, well, and Dave, that's perfect. And and that's the other tough thing is that I talk to plenty of people that have bad experience with counselors. That doesn't mean counseling is bad. That means that that particular relationship or that particular connection wasn't the best one, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to just, just like in health, any healthcare, you got to advocate for yourself, right? You have to be your best advocate. You have to do that in, in mental health too. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, when you're looking for counseling, sometimes it's knowing what you need. You know, like, do I need somebody just to talk to, or do I need somebody that's going to come up with a plan that's going to give me tools to help me, you know, to, to where I no longer need the counselor, if that makes sense. I remember, um, just a, just a, well, I think it's a fun story. Sometimes I say that and then people are like, oh, that's really (laughs) sad. But like my perspective, you know, I, I, I do use humor a lot for good reasons. Um, but um, I, I, I ended up going to, for a while, I ended up going to this guy. I needed someone who was a man of a person of faith because I, th- that's so much a part of who I am that I couldn't go to someone who didn't understand, you know, the God story or the God narrative. And so I went up, ended up going to see this guy who was a, um, he was a Catholic, really devout guy. His son was a priest and he was a former Marine as well. And I just remember one of our first meetings, he was telling me, Patty, this is how you need to address your mental health. He says, you've been in a fist fight before, right? And I kind of chuckled um, because <laughs> I said, you know, I was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a seventh day Adventist. Um, like we usually don't, we're pretty passive people. Like we don't have fist fights. Like if we get really mad at each other, we just throw a, have a committee meeting, um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but his, his analogy was like, you know, you got to just fight this um, like you're in a, a the fight for your life, you know, and you fight for your family and you fight for your friends and you fight for yourself. Um, 
but again, he was probably my third counselor um, that I connected with before I was like, yeah, this is the one, this, this is the person that I think can, can help me. And, and so I think that's important too, just to say to people as we go through the series, you know, as you seek help, like it can take time and, and just, just like a doctor trying to find the right medication for you, that's going to help. Like it can take time to get all those pieces together, to get the right care team together so that you can get the help you need. Yeah. You know, I think, I think there's this, and you kind of mentioned it before, there's this kind of overwhelming thought that like, Hey, God fixes all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like when you believe, when you become a believer, God fixes all this stuff. Um, you know what I really want God to fix? I want, I'd like to have abs, like real good looking abs. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, weirdly, God has not seen fit <laughs> to bless me with abs. I don't really understand why. Um, it's really, it's really kind yeah. of. Yeah. A Sarah, hole, a Sarah hole, has told us multiple times a hole in his work for me. Um, <laughs> like in some ways that's the same, right? Why, yeah. why do we expect that there won't be, in fact, I, in scripture, I very rarely see, I don't know that I ever see, um, somebody's life getting easier without problems because they become <clears throat> a person of faith. I think what they become is way more in tune with what yeah. this faith will bring when it comes to problems and how we faithfully walk through things. Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a spiritual empathy that we should have, you know, and, and, Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Sorry about that. Patty. You know, just, you were making me think about, you know, God so clearly for whatever, what feels like lunatic reason, even um, straps his power to humanity. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. he chooses us to be his body. Right. Yeah. Um, we've kind of famously come from a faith tradition that believes we ought to be providing medical care around the world. Right. I mean, we, 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 we should, that's one of the ways God moves is by Mm -hmm. his people participating in healing. Why would we take certain forms of healing and say, that's off the table. That makes no sense to me. So that when we say, you know what? You should lean into the power of God. You can still be saying, lean into the power of God that he exerts through his people and through through professionals who have taken time to really learn about this. <clears throat> now, I also think we understand so much more these days about things like brain chemistry and, you know, there's there's stuff that's going on in us that um, that that can be addressed by certain kinds of things. So the very same person who might just recommend highly, if you want to avoid flu, you ought to be having this vitamin supplement. The idea of, of that person arguing against being thoughtful about, um, about our brain chemistry and how we might take advantage of what we, what we learn, what we know, or what specialists do. uh, It's never really made any sense to me, to be honest. Yeah. Well, and we, and we do, you know, our, our faith tradition comes from that Puritan background, right. That really emphasizes what you do and how you act. And, and so I think we have a lot of, uh, perfectionists, perfectionism. Um, you know, I, I, I often say I'm a recovering perfectionist in, in a sense that, you know, and, and when you enter that into mental health, right, it, there is such guilt that comes with this idea that I can't, I can't get rid of this. I, you know, like I can't pray this away, um, you know, and, um, 
and 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 again, I think that's another thing the devil lays on you, right? To make you feel that much, you know, to make you feel worse is that it's like, man, I'm 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 no good. I can't even do faith. Like I'm not I'm not good at any of this, right? And so that's where the the shame and and I learned that you know the difference between guilt and shame. And again, I, I know I mentioned her, but Brene Brown was a big part of that, right? That guilt can be a tool of the Holy Spirit to get you to want to make a change in your life. Shame is a tool of the devil because shame makes you feel like you can't approach God. Mm. And, and I think that comes up a lot in mental health. And I think God, you know, all we have to do, which we will do in this series, you know, is, is look at Jesus in Gethsemane. All we have to do, I, I should never say that, but one of the things we could do is look at Jesus in Gethsemane and see how he wrestled with such extreme anxiety that he sweat drops of blood. Right. And then we recognize that, you know, he, he can understand, right. Mm -hmm. He can empathize. He's been there. Um, and, uh, it's a one day at a time, one breath at a time. And, and what I often tell people in mental health journeys is that there are times in your life where it feels so overwhelming. It's all you can think about, but the more work you do, the more people you surround yourself with, um, in your spiritual care team, your mental health team, you know, all of those things that eventually one day you wake up and it's not your every moment, you know, and it doesn't control you. It's something that you manage and something you care for. Um, but it's not your, it's not your everything. And that's what I would hope for, you know, um, us to create spaces where people can get healing and they can get support and they recognize, you know, what are the different ways they, they can do that. So that's what I'm hoping for, for this series. Yeah. I also think that we need to make sure that we're talking about over the over the length of time, talking about what healing really is, right? Right. Yeah. Um, because healing's not just fixing. Yep. Healing is like yep. you say, it's managing, it's all of that is part of healing. Um, a mental health journey can be a healing journey. Um yep. and a healing journey doesn't always get to a destination either. Right. No, so perfect. I, I yeah. Think, he... I think managing expectations on what what healing or for that process is is yeah and i think sense. i i think i said that last week where i i, I learned to pray differently mm -hmm. um you know through through my journey and that was praying you know instead of praying for god to take it away um was praying for god to help me live with this in a way that brings him glory um and and that really was from you know a variety of things that happened but it was also from paul's thorn in his flesh you know god wouldn't take it away he begged for god to take it away my power is made perfect um in your weakness you know it it shows up and yeah yeah that's that's important we need to talk about what what healing is and what healing isn't oh and, and honestly <clears throat> our theology of healing um sometimes is problematic even with regard to how we pray about safety traveling in a car right yeah um like the 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 promise the show of god's presence would be if there is no accident and i, I think actually uh, a bigger show of god's presence is how we travel through the difficulties of life that god has said in this sinful world are going to be mm -hmm. here right mm -hmm. so that maybe it's not even the best prayer asking him to keep me from ever being in an accident maybe the better prayer is to help me grow in my relationship with him that i could be faithful no matter what happened. And that's part of what I hear you describing, Patty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting take on contingency, right? We always say God loves us without contingency, but do we really mm. believe in God without contingency? Because mm. mm -hmm. um, we've kind of set the categories of 
categories of healed, categories of blessing, categories of, um, you know, I, I just, I, I've said this so many times, you know, the idea that blessing means no problems, mm. like that does, that's, right. that's not biblical in any way, yeah. shape or form, yeah. right? You can't find that anywhere in scripture, but we have taken it on. Like if things are going well, I'm blessed. And if they're not, I'm not, well, maybe you're more blessed when yeah. things aren't going well, because you actually lean on that relationship with God and faith matters all of a sudden. Um, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that so much of what it, it, I feel like that's so much of our spiritual journey is managing our expectations, mm-hmm. right? And, and are they realistic or, or not? Um, you know, because, because oftentimes we're so disappointed, not because God hasn't shown up or, or God hasn't acted or God hasn't been involved, but, it, but cause it hasn't happened the way we expected it. Right. Well, right. and I think, I think, I think we, the church, if you will, sometimes has a response, has to take responsibility for that because we've, we've often sold people on a bill of goods um, to yeah. get them in the door. Right. Mm. Right. You know, and we've promoted a shallowness really, mm-hmm. if we're not careful. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. we all know you, you can figure out who your real friends are when <laughs> trouble hits. Right. Right. And I think God's kind of the same. He can figure out who his real friends are. <clears throat> pretty fast mm-hmm. um right yeah because because that spiritual journey which leaks its way into our mental health journey to our, our our health journey to any journey like it's we're not bifurcated people at the end of the day mm-hmm. right we are yeah. we are whole people and we're in a those whole people are in relationships with the whole god in this whole earth and um that's complicated on a yeah. good day, right? That's yeah. complicated. And but thankfully, can... our faith tradition. Oh, sorry, Tim. No, no, go. No, I was just gonna say, thankfully, our, our our faith tradition has, you know, talked a lot about whole care, right? And right. and I think we need to remember that in mental health as well, right? Because it's just it's not a prayer that just takes it all away. Um, it's not a pill. Um, you know, it's not. It's it's all of these things working together: our spiritual care, our mental care, our physical. Um, you know, emotional, all those things. And and so I think in theory, our, our faith tradition should be able to lean into this um, from a healthy perspective. Right. So I remember when we, when we first started talking about doing this series and uh, it prompts me to ask you guys, so what do you hope happens <clears throat> because of this series on our campuses? What, what are, what are your hopes? I've got a couple, but I'm curious. You know, you know, I was thinking about this last night, Dave, because I loved our elemental series, you know, deconstructing, reconstructing, like we're talking about things that I haven't experienced, you know, other places being willing to address and talk about openly. And I feel the same this way. I feel like I'm excited that we're tackling, you know, a very relevant issue, even more so maybe, I mean, not, I don't want to say more so, but that much more prevalent since the pandemic for us to be jumping into a conversation about mental health. I just, I, I, I hope that there are some people that are able to come out of the shadows um, to share their secrets and to start on a, on a journey towards health and that we create safe spaces for them to do that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, think I'm, I, go ahead, Tim, go ahead. I'm, I'm listening to you right now. I was just going to say, I, I think the um, places where, where there is no shame, right? Yeah. That's really yeah. it. 
that Amen. that we re if nothing else we reaffirm <clears throat> excuse me we reaffirm that crosswalk is a safe place um for for not just different thinking but different understanding and um you know growth and healing and and all of that i think dave what about you because oh. you said you've got some <laughs> yeah i i have learned because of the few times that i've had this kind of conversation publicly at all i'm always stunned by how little sometimes it takes to give people permission mm -hmm. to talk about what's real and how rewarding it is to actually be able to talk about what's real and yeah. there's a part of me too that as as in in the kind of the trajectory of my involvement with crosswalk which is still quite new I'm looking forward to developing um, even better awareness of the resources we have in our community to to participate in this conversation. You know, um, I, I just love it. Um, we've got more and more awareness. I have more and more awareness of of some of the professionals in our community who who are participants in this conversation and so on. Um, I guess I'm I am both braced. And looking forward to it, it's an awkward thing to say, but I love those moments when it becomes clear that we can trust and trust each other enough to tell each other even painful things and hmm. um, to to get to that place of realness. I think the worst is discovering too late what somebody was going through that you could have walked with them. And hmm. so I'm I'm really looking forward to how this series um, provokes our conversations that are really sometimes gritty, but real. Yeah. Well, that's great. And I want to thank you both for hanging out and being here and sharing your thoughts. Patty, I, I think this kind of came from kind of your inception. So um, really appreciate the fact that we're doing this series and that we're, we're all kind of leaning into it. Um, one of the things, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I heard, you know, I heard Tim's sermon, um, but I didn't hear Patty's or I didn't hear Dave's. And, you know, not every week has each one of us preaching, but um, but make sure you go follow uh, Crosswalk Portland's podcast and Crosswalk Chattanooga's podcast as um, their local lead pastors um, are preaching in there. And then you can always catch what we do here at Redlands through um, our podcast at Crosswalk Redlands and the Crosswalk Sermon podcast there. So um, we're, so we're growing this body of work. We're growing this body of teaching, which I think is pretty incredible. We're trying to be intentional about it. So there's lots of opportunities to get on board and see things. And lastly, if you're wondering where your, um, if you're wondering where your, um, uh, What's what I'm looking for? Your series guide is we are no longer going to be printing those uh, for two reasons. Number one, uh, pretty expensive. <laughs> Not going to lie. They're pretty expensive um, and great. So what we're going to be doing is actually putting out a journal that you can that you can actually purchase and go along with it. It's not um, it's a little more general, but you can journal along with what it is that we're talking about in our series guide. And of course, you can always download the PDFs. You can get them each day and you can also just download the PDF, print it out and you've got your own little handheld handbook right there so um and thanks Tim thanks I, for that I, yeah yeah can I just say that too our campus is often you know like I know I I know ours says I know I think each of yours does too but has connect groups 
that meet during the yeah. week that that are people that talk about the sermon series. Um, yep. And you can find that on our website too. So if you want to be with a group of people and and have wrestled together, um, get online and join one of those groups. You 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 don't have to live by a crosswalk um, or be attending one to jump into one of those. So feel free. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, thank you, everybody. Thank you guys for uh, being here with us today. Looking forward to going on this journey with you. And um, of course, we want you to do one thing, and that's simply love well. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Echo Podcast. It is a Love Well Creative program in partnership with Crosswalk Church. If you would like to give to this podcast, feel free to go to www.lovewellcreative.org. Push the give button and thank you for your support.